Yeah, I make games, and I'm your host, Mizzizzizz, with co-hosts Brogan Hackett hey. and Adam Pike. Hello. And this week we're joined by Tib and Victor, who made Spookware with Adam. Hello. Hello. This episode was sponsored by Storm Hughes, an organizer of Society of Play, a nonprofit indie game dev organization. Be sure to follow their Twitter and join their Discord. Thank you to Storm Hughes for sponsoring this episode. I'm Adam, <laughs> which you know, I'm working together with uh, Tib and Victor on Spookware. Both me and Tib are doing art and code on the game, and Victor is doing the sound and music. I have a question. Uh, who's doing the writing on the game? Oh, that's Thibaut and Adam. Mostly Thibaut, to be okay. honest. <laughs> yeah. I feel like in the beginning, we kind of all just wrote stuff down that we found funny. But I think now, especially in the, like, the latest chapters, since there's like a lot of like mechanics that have to be implemented, I've like taken a bit more up on the writing side. Right. I'm usually busy like adding the mechanics and then Thibaut is mm-hmm. doing the writing at the same yeah. time. I just I just wanted to ask because the writing is such a notable part and it's such a charming part of that game. That's fun. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, I mean I didn't really like I don't really have a degree in writing, <laughs> so that was like the biggest fear that I think we had when yeah. starting out. Like oh, how's like the story gonna pan out in the writing? Mm. But I I think I think it like it's it's going okay. <laughs> I'd like to say I certainly enjoyed what I played of it so far. So, what's your favorite little detail you got to put in Spookware for like little. Details, I don't know if I have that many. I, I did implement like one thing that was supposed to be a little detail, but was like pretty well received, so it kind of grew into its own thing. Uh, in like the first chapter in the school, uh, when I was placing in like all the NPCs, I put in like a like a group of students that I dubbed the, the milk gang. Milk gang! And it was supposed to be like one <laughs> stupid throwaway joke where I just wanted to be like, Midi, say, Midi says like, oh, oh my god, the school has gangs now. And then the joke was supposed to be that the guy said like, oh no, we still have to do some paperwork. Like a really uh, stupid joke, but <laughs> the QA team and like the other guys really liked it. So it's like become this this thing that we've like been able to like, in, in other chapters, yeah. we've been able to throw in other like milk gang grunts. Yeah, uh, and like it's this it's sort of stupid returning joke that we kind of made out of it. I also really like the guy that falls out of the tree that you added. And then he's also a recurring character. Yeah, oh yeah, that's funny. That's pretty funny. I feel like that's kind of just the the way with how like we write Spookware kind of gives us these opportunities to just add in anything we want because Spookware is already so um, random in its storyline and its chapters <laughs> that we can kind of just do anything. And if it, if it works well, that we could just make it a whole plot point. <laughs> at that point the way the level design and, and the gameplay loop is structured it, it is very open to adding side distractions and stuff mm-hmm. right it's also really quickly to do uh, with like the system we set up i mean generally i think this is true for most rpg games but just like it's really quick to just add like a guy in a line of dialogue and make something happen when he says something uh, which is really fun yeah. yeah i thought it was funny when um you, you posted about or you tweeted about somebody asking if you could make so you could turn the camera around <laughs> you're like nope <laughs> oh yeah I, th- I think our game works only works in that one angle modeling the back of things <laughs> it's like oh yeah no, we don't do that <laughs> you're using a lot of like photo projection right onto like 3d models so it's hard to do a back model when you have a photograph from a single angle right <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, I-, I feel like w- with some models you can get away with just like 
copying the picture on the back again if it's necessary. Uh, but with with a lot of the models, we mm. just kind of like extrude it out, and then it's like, okay, this works from this like one angle, but don't turn it. <laughs> I think actually, I, I think we plan to do a lot more, just like straight up pictures um, extruded into a model for like the whole scene. But I think in the entire game, there's only like one scene that's just like pretty much straight up an image, which is the gym. I think. Yeah, yeah, that that's the one where it's like super noticeable. Yeah, I think that's that's the main thing with how many scenes we're making and how big some of them kind of have to be to keep like the story in we've kind of settled on making like just finding a good picture that we can then like make the modular pieces out of i feel like especially yeah. in like the chapters we're making now I'd, I'd say we've done it like very well um like with the recent chapters they're incredibly modular where are you finding your pictures also you can like search on google um and then you can in your like search settings in google images you can um set it as like creative commons and then um yeah, it will sort it by everything that's either public domain or Creative Commons. You go through and like credit every single yeah, one. Yeah, we images. have a huge file with credits. <laughs> wow. Do you go through the website and like double check the image and make sure it actually is Creative Commons? Yeah, a lot of them are also like a public domain as well, and then you don't have to credit them. Right. Which uh, mm. helps with the file mm -hmm. size. <laughs> My favorite detail is a bonk sound. A bonk. <laughs> I think Tibo knows exactly which one I'm talking about. Yeah. We have a Simon Says game with skeleton heads where you gotta press skeleton heads in the right order and makes this comically bonk sound with uh <laughs> with like a cowbell oh nice and it's like a little silly detail yeah, yeah i think it's one of my favorite sound effects i mean i think we've just made like more sound effects that we can probably count at this point but yeah the bonk one yeah, is like yeah. so beautiful i also really love the um like the baseball hit it's like really close mm. to like the smash hit oh really yeah <laughs> <laughs> um the like the little easter egg i added to the map screen where if you press the jump button the car jumps and there's like a little heart and there's a little <laughs> toot i think that's pretty cute I th that's like a fan favorite i think like, <laughs> i've had people like message me like oh my god you can honk on the on the map screen <laughs> and also like on steam there's a hidden achievement uh yeah like, even attached to it which is very cool if you honk it like i think 100 or 200 times or something more than people <laughs> should be honking it, yeah. that's, that's how you inflate the play time yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need to get over two hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually had someone recently ask me, like, like, oh, based on your analysis, where do most people, like, uh, stop playing? And it's like, wow, bold of you to assume we put analytics into our game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for my, my favorite detail I added was probably the reload for the pump-action shotgun. Because I was like, man, this gun looks kind of boring. How do I make it interesting? And then, I, and then so I just put in, like, a tentacle inside of it that comes out and licks the ammo out of your hand. <laughs> And that's how it reloads. I didn't want to make an animation where you put in the bullets one at a time because yeah. I'd have to like code adding one bullet at a time. It's like I need to add them all at once, so I'll just put in this little animation, or I'll just I'll do this, and then it'll be gross and weird and interesting. <laughs> and it works really well with the world. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, I have this little side quest where you rescue someone's cat or something, you bring it back, and then it appears next to them. And I was like, I bet someone's gonna try shooting it. So I made so you could shoot it. And you get an achievement. <laughs> oh my god! Oh no! Can you shoot the cat? Yep. You should. Uh, like the, like a Twitter account. <laughs> I've been thinking. I wanted to start a, a Twitter page called "Can You Kill the Dog?" Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god. That's, that's good. That's good. <laughs> you should make it where um, Wolfenstein. If you uh, if you kill the cat, 
um, like your bullets do like 10% less damage for the rest of the game or something. <laughs> <laughs> Just the emotional uh, trauma of that. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. People were like posting about, oh, so the achievement's impossible then. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you after you rescue it, it sits on your head and purrs the whole time until you drop it off. <laughs> so, no <one> wants to, <laughs> so no one wants to shoot it. Yeah, so I, w- I was wondering, uh, since we like uh, already discussed that uh, at the moment I'm doing like a lot of the writing for Spookware, but like I don't really have any like background in it. So I was wondering if you guys have like played any games where you where you had like very memorable like dialogue or writing. It, the dialogue can be like incredibly funny, or it can be like very emotional dialogue, or it can just be like well written. Just like any kind of dialogue when you play the game you were like, ah, oh, this is like going to stick with me, like these these moments and stuff. So I'm playing this right now, Ace Attorney, the trilogy, mm. and Dialogue is so hammy and so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard not to love. I don't know, like when I think about game dialogues, I like tend to, to go for more for humorous games, kind of, because the other thing that came to mind was Monkey Island 3. Mm. Monkey Island in general is pretty good. Because I, I feel like, um, I don't know, I feel like writing in itself is already kind of difficult, but I feel like writing comedy is, is like a very much a hit or miss. Yeah. I feel like we, we've, for like Spooker, an example, we've made jokes that like really hit the mark, but I think depending on the person, we've probably made jokes that really just didn't do it uh, <laughs> for a person. Yeah. So it feels like a, like, if, if your whole if your whole game is like built upon it, I, I'm surprised that Ace Attorney is that like light hearted. I thought it was like balancing between the two, but it, I'm surprised it sets that much into like the humorous tone. Ace Ace Attorney is kind of funny in a way because like the dialogue is like ridiculous and stuff, but it's always like, oh yeah, this person just got like fucking murdered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I thought. <laughs> and there's also like people get murdered and their relatives kind of don't really behave like somebody who just lost a relative <laughs> oh, that's interesting. i should really like play an ace attorney game again because i played one when i was like young but i haven't played any of like the the recent ones or the remasters and it's, it's got the same like i think i mentioned this before in the podcast but you got like the same thing that um where like the the dialogue is like paced as well which really helps like in the commas and there's also like dramatic dramatic pauses and like the text scrolling um and then like the screen flashes when there's like a uh, really works well yeah it's so over the top <laughs> i really like undertale's writing and i think it's been a it's been like an inspiration i think as well for spookware just because it's it's really good at doing like a lot of throwaway gags and jokes and stuff yeah well not you know while still all kind of pertaining to the lore which is pretty cool um, I don't know what it is about Undertale, because I, I but I do want to like talk to everyone in that game, despite like <laughs> you know ninety percent of the dialogue of people you can talk to is not really it's not going to change the game or anything, you know. I mean, I'm still kind of upset they stole Lefty's design. Yeah, are <laughs> <laughs> the amount of times we've had to hear that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is this? Or I haven't played through the whole thing. Sans Undertale resembles Lefty very much. Uh, Lefty is a uh, the blue skeleton in in Bookware. yeah small blue boy oh but they're so different at least in character yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean i think people know when they play Spookware that it's like very based on the mattel i don't think that's like a bad thing necessarily yeah yeah it's a good influence <laughs> i'd love to be able to make something with half the charisma and humor and, and charm that undertale has you know mm. um it's it's been like 
I would love to make a game that has that vibe to the to the dialogue. I've, I've been thinking that for years. So, no, that 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 definitely comes through in 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 Spookware, but it's not like over the top, and you, you have your own unique ideas very very often. So, what about you, Bourbon? What's your favorite writing? So I have actually a three I think that I can I can talk about. Um, so the first one is just like extremely good writing. Uh, the game Eighty Days, uh, which you can get on I think most platforms uh, by Inkle, a version of the story of around the world in eighty days. You basically have to have to plot the routes around the world and have to make all of the hard decisions about like the travel plans. And there's some really really fun like alternate routes you can take around the world. So the thing about that game is that you know when you finish a book and you're really sad that it's over and 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 there's no more to it. Mm. In that game, once you're finished it, you get that feeling and then you realize, oh, I can just take another route and get as <laughs> interesting that. a story next time. Played, I I don't know, probably 30, 30 <laughs> runs through that game and and every one of them has been unique and interesting and and it just has such a such a clever system to enable that as well and such a clever framing device. It, it has to be one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, I highly recommend getting it on your phone if, if you're like, I played like so much on my phone with <laughs> that game. Uh, the next one I wanted to mention is called uh, Dr. Langeskov, the Tiger and the Terribly Cursed Emerald, a whirlwind mm -hmm. heist. Yeah. Uh, crows, 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 who uh, were founded by William Pooh. I don't know how his name is pronounced. His <laughs> second name is pronounced. I'm sorry. He he worked on um, the Stanley Parable mm -hmm. and then went on to found the studio and they made Dr. Langeskov and it's like, it's one of the funniest games I've ever played. Oh, I think I played this. It was really good. I, I think that studio is actually who are working on the new release of the Stanley Parable that's going to be coming out. Yeah. Deluxe Edition or whatever as well. Nice. But then the final one I wanted to mention is called Wide Ocean Big Jacket. And it's by um, friends of mine. Uh, well, some people who I've known like on Twitter for years, I guess, more than friends of mine. But it's, uh, it's a really, really charming uh, slice of life video game about, it, about taking a camping trip with your aunt and uncle and you're like 12 and you have you have a, a friend along and you're, you're you're playing as a girl and, and your friend's a guy so there's like a little bit of like oh they're little cutesy 12 year old uh people who fancy each other but also like just like exploring and having fun on a camping trip and it's 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 genuinely like one of my favorite games ever and it has this really really emotionally like hard-hitting ending uh one of one of my favorite narrative games is it turn follow yeah so they've they've been making games uh for years and i think back in 2016 i played a game of theirs called little party or or something along those lines and yeah i've been following their work ever since and they just know how to blend like walking simulator mechanics and narrative dialogue mechanics really really well yeah that sounds super cool the game looks very nice as well like has a very unique style mm. it, it's on switch and i highly recommend getting it there because i played it like under the covers at 3 a.m one night and it was amazing <laughs> <laughs> the best way to play a video game the fact that it's on switch makes it better i feel like switch is perfect for those like you know the I, those like cutesy uh cozy games they're really like playing games like that on like a big screen is like uh, it doesn't feel the yeah. same. Unless you're playing with like other people in the room who are, who are watching along or whatever. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely wanted to make sure to mention that one because it's, it's, I think, uh, some of my favorite games writing. Yeah, I think I'll definitely play it. 
because it just looks like a like a fun game to play through as well yeah yeah it's very it's it's very fun and like charming i i think uh like judging by how boot is written and and everything i think uh you'll get a lot out of it all right mm. yeah i should i should check it out so it sounds pretty cool damn cool i've added all these games to my wish list <laughs> <laughs> How about your uh, recommendations for games with good writing, Miz? Uh, Sunless Sea, definitely. Oh, yeah, I've been wanting to play that for a long time. <laughs> it's the fact that they can just write pages of exposition and dialogue, and then you just sit there and read all of it, and it's, like, good. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, in your top-down underground ship simulator game. And there's just, like, a little bit of graphics and some cool music, and you just, like sail in the port and it's like all right time to read you know a <laughs> short story and it's like just the words just paint a picture of the environment and the surroundings and it's just like amazing and all these locations are super unique and interesting it's just like yeah all the things that happen the people that you talk to it's just i don't know it's crazy that they're able to do that mm. much yeah the game looks yeah. huge yeah definitely play on easy <laughs> don't do permadeath permadeath is stupid <laughs> what is the game about I guess London sunk or something, and now you're in a giant underground cave. <laughs> it's like a sea, and so you have to sail around on steamships. And there's like Eldritch Horror, um, a bunch of cities that you visit, and all sorts of magic and steampunk kind of stuff. Mm. I don't know. It's weird and interesting <laughs> and very cool. Sounds cool. It's uh, constantly surprises me like how abstract some like art styles are. Because if I'm looking at these pictures, I'm just like wow like how do you even come up with these like with this art yeah. Style? yeah it's really cool i heard they made one in space too or something but yeah they, they've they've released a couple of uh didn't they have like something with london in, in its name as well or something fall in, london, fall in london yeah which was like a browser game which i haven't played yeah yeah i presume that's like similar in mechanically and, and yeah. narratively well not mechanically i think it's just browser like you just oh right <laughs> it's it's more of a text-based game yeah text browser text-based that's what i've heard at least uh i think that's all i got for dialogue i guess morrowind i don't know morrowind oh, yeah. <laughs> i think we're sticking to like small indie games mm. small indie games generally have more interesting writing in my opinion anyway yeah so it's... <laughs> when, I was, yeah, when i was thinking about the question it was also like um like what i like and i was also like should i be talking about like triple a games because i feel like <laughs> i feel like w when i play a triple a game it's kind of a, a given but when i play an indie game it's more yeah. like a like a welcome surprise to yeah. really have something to go in like in depth like a good writing i also feel that like because indie games have like the smaller scopes and it serves their writing well o often like in triple a games like their writing is like oh there's like a million books you want to read or something and it's so dumb <laughs> That's, that's I think it's my pet peeve with AAA games. Like I I like reading, yeah. But if you just throw them at my face, it, it's difficult yeah. to to keep me engaged in, in reading. Yeah, stuff. in my opinion, like the the pacing on writing and stuff should be more similar to like movies and games than mm -hmm. it is to books. You know, um, like maybe a scene in a movie will have like at most two pages of writing or something, and even that's a lot for a scene, um. But then, the, then there's like games and oh, there's like five pages for this one thing. It's like <laughs> it's I weird. do think there's a lot of a lot of value to interactive fiction, um, and to interactive fiction as, as a narrative device in in games without interactive fiction, uh, like as their core focus. Um, I think like I think that 
you either approach it as though it's dialogue in a in a in film or you approach it as though it's 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 a a, a very heavy like interactive fiction thing you know right yeah that's also true yeah i i think that like also works just as well but mm. it's kind of two ends of a spectrum and the middle doesn't quite work out as well most of the time yeah and it's definitely about expectations like the amount of people that buy spookware and then like wait to just dialogue in this game even <laughs> yeah i feel like we've had the trouble getting of like how much can be right uh and then like one dialogue and this is something i think we're still like trying to figure out but i feel like we've kind of found like a, a good position of like this is too much dialogue i don't think there's ever been too little on like a, a random <laughs> character but we've yeah. i think uh, we've definitely <laughs> written like too much yeah like with difficulty in games it's like very easy to do too much yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so i think that's one of like, the big lessons have you peeps played oxen free no you told me about that yeah i actually never finished it oh it's good yeah no i kind of i kind of played it when i was i was struggling with sleep and then like because i was struggling with sleep i never came back that to makes it sense or something i think i think my original stated intention was to finish it in like one one day or one one night when i couldn't sleep one sitting and then i got too tired or something and i, I never went back to it but i wonder if i still have that saved though but yeah no what i played of it was was really cool as well uh one one other game uh i i felt i feel like i i owe it to myself and and uh my teammates on the game that i worked on that i like i didn't do the writing for this so i'm not trying to toot my own horn <laughs> uh, i worked on a game called if found um which is a, a narrative focused game um that's basically entirely presented as though it's diary pages with illustrations on them and you're you're erasing through them it was just really interesting to see a linear narrative be so interactive because that game mm -hmm. has like a, a very linear narrative like well in term in terms of like no no branching dialogue or anything mm -hmm. its interaction is very minimal as well it's 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 all about erasing uh like sections of the screen to reveal things behind it personally mm -hmm. i found, found found a lot of fun but some steam reviews would disagree <laughs> as always um, yeah gamers it's also uh like a really a, a story that's very dear to my heart because like i'm 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 an irish trans woman and the story is about an irish trans woman in the 1990s mm. the thing people will say about it is that like it made them cry but they were very happy that they played it that sounds cool i really like the writing in um the game you made, Bogan, as well. Um, the with the beach. I forgot the name for a sec. Oh, Bleak, Bleak Shore. Shore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I found that uh, that was a fun like experiment for me trying to do writing mm. for the first time. Um, well, pro properly do writing. Like I have, I have like a lot of like thoughts on it post post having made it. Mm -hmm. But for 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 when I made it and for what my stated intention was and the amount of time that we put into it, I'm like still so happy with how that turned out. I like it because it's like it's not a lot of writing, but it, it works for the kind of yeah. bite-sized game that it is. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. How do you work in teams? Because I'm just starting now to work with other people on my games, and I've only worked solo before, so I have no idea. Like, how do you work as a team? Do you have like a leader who's one person in charge? Do you all like kind of have a democratic system where you all like vote on things? And, like, <laughs> I don't know, or is and like, how do you communicate what you're working on? Because kind of what I'm doing now is I just go do this and then they go off and do that. And then two weeks later, they're like, all right, I'm done. Here's what I have <laughs> kind of thing. Or are you all like involved in every step of what everyone else is doing? Or... That's a good question. I, I feel like, I mean, I think we, we're kind of in like a special scenario since like all three of us 
kind of like started like on the same time this game like when we have the company together but i feel like we have i think an incredibly like democratic system <laughs> as in we kind of just like get in the call in the morning every day and we kind of talk about what we're gonna do and what we did and like what we want to do in the game i don't think like necessarily mm-hmm. we have just like one person deciding we kind of all pitch in and like change stuff if necessary yeah mm. there's a lot of rhythm yeah i mm-hmm. i think i think it works well i think we also like properly not organized um, like we don't we don't plan <laughs> yeah we, we don't plan for like brainstorm sessions they just kind of happen because we're in a call you know yeah. probably helps you're all in the same time zone too. <laughs> we'll yeah that. that helps a lot yeah and that that might change so it's very exciting how that will turn out um i mean i used to work as like an assistant producer in uh at black shamrock which is like an an, an irish um like company oh um and there it was like hyper organized and i was also like a hyper organized person like planning everything out and i knew adam wasn't like he didn't like too much organization so (laughs) i wanted to like also Mm. take the jump into like uh, beeswax and spookwork to like learn how this works because i always felt to me like i had like a very thing i wanted everything to be organized and planned out so i thought like if i try Mm -hmm. to work like in the adam sphere (laughs) <laughs> where we we plan out less and let it more like naturally happen like how would that go and at the beginning it was a bit difficult you know because i was constantly like oh my god what are we doing <laughs> but i feel like i've been able to like transition very nicely into this where it's kind of natural and i think it's kind of built on on trust most of all as in mm. if we like talk in the morning and we know what we're gonna do i trust everybody in the team enough to be like okay i don't have to worry that the game's gonna explode uh, yeah like two hours right mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and i think that's like one of the main things if you trust each other with it, it it's kind of easy to just go ahead yeah i think that's definitely i think we all know like the three of us know each other pretty well that definitely helps <laughs> you're all geniuses Aww. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was actually surprised by Tibo about how 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 well you adapted to the not organizing the chaos um. <laughs> i mean i think i think it mainly works because we're such a small team i think the moment you you have like yeah. five yeah. six people you need some kind of like central organ or like one person that all the information can be funneled to yeah to like have it go smoothly yeah but because it's just the three of us it you know yeah. it, it kind of goes naturally because there's not that many people involved yeah and like having the meetings every day yeah i think helps also a lot like i i think that's the biggest that's i think the most important thing like that's a common thing in most like organizational things is like a a, a daily stand-up mm-hmm. meeting and it's something that once i once i end up starting a team i'll, I'll definitely be doing because mm-hmm. it's it's so it's so it's so good just to sit down and talk about what's happening with the game what are we working yeah. on yeah and and what's happening today you know? yeah too but we kind of we kind of extended by just being in a call all day long yeah but um, yeah. <laughs> i think it's mostly also to do with the fact that we're all remote um but actually i i recently asked um, a friend if that um if other studios are doing that as well and he knew of um, like a pretty big team like 50 people that are also like they do like the thing where they just in the discord server in the same call all day um wow. but they they do kind of split it up with their teams mm-hmm. yeah but they are like constantly like available to talk to you just have to jump into the night voice channel and speak basically right um so it's pretty cool to see that it also works in like uh larger teams and stuff yeah i, I do like that idea of like the continuous voice call and it's something i was kind of like hoping i could try 
at some point mm. but I, I don't know i haven't like i haven't got anyone who i'm i'm working with full time at the moment so yeah we highly recommend it <laughs> i think yeah i think the main thing is like the stand-ups they can be like pretty short like sometimes we just have like oh yeah today like oh micro games uh today and like yesterday micro games <laughs> yeah uh, but then other times we kind of go like incredibly in depth and kind of like go into like oh what what should we be doing for like this mechanic and then we have mm. these like these random brainstorm talks like like Adam said and I think having a random brainstorm talk works way better than like forcibly planning one in because we could plan one yeah. in on like Friday morning and then if you're not feeling it it's kind of just a whole awkward talk yeah. we're having at that moment because nobody <laughs> gets anything but if, yeah. if if I randomly get an idea and then I bring it in the group and the whole group can like go off of that that's very like good I think yeah I remember having to do like um forced brainstorm stuff at like school and stuff and oh, it never worked because it's like they you have to have like your idea done by that time so everyone is just so desperate and then they just you just like settle on the worst idea (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 kind of crazy i find like personally i come up with the best ideas at 11 p.m so i'm not gonna have brainstorm meetings then (laughs) but and that like in in the like because i've i've been working with a small team with like I'm, I'm the only one who's been working for most of the time on the project on sub mechanoid i find that planning uh, planning uh brainstorm meetings for me is, has worked quite well but that's i, I think that's because me and val the writer we're both we both like creatively quick with each other very well so we kind of like and we we don't we're, we're not like constantly on call or anything so when we do call we kind of like come up with all the yeah. ideas then I do often end up shooting them like messages at, 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 at like 10 or 11 being like, oh my God, I just had this idea. We have to do this. <laughs> Adam, when are you the most creative in a day? Oh, um, with my horrible sleep schedule, probably too late. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm definitely also the type of person to like lay in bed and suddenly be like, oh, I need to write this down and then I get up um, <laughs> and, then, and then it's four o'clock. So yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah I've, I've started keeping like a, I know you you do this on your computer Adam. you have like a notepad or like a post-it note thingy yeah I also started having like a little thing to like write down sudden ideas and I feel like that really helps a lot because sometimes when we're working in a chapter and I'm like oh this could be cool and then I don't write it down and then when I get to the point where I have to like create a new micro game I'm like oh fuck I like completely forgot it's funny you said that because during this call I just had an idea for a game and I just wrote it down. <laughs> you're, you're creative at all times. It doesn't even doesn't matter. It was when when you said the title "White Ocean Big Jacket," I was like, "Oh, I need to make a game that's just like a white ocean that's like an inch deep and call it Mile White Inch Deep." <laughs> and the joke is that the game has no depth to it. It's just a big ocean. Walking <laughs> <laughs> simulator. Oh my god. That's very <laughs> I know what I was gonna say when you were saying about keeping keeping the note on like the desktop. I, I use a uh, Google Keep for that, mm. so I have it like on my phone at all times or I can grab it up on my PC then. I hate that Google Keep doesn't have a desktop app. Yeah, that would be very nice to have like Google Keep sticky notes on my desktop mm. or something, but yeah, no, I I find that like very useful to just like have a place where you write notes when they come up. What is the last soundtrack that had an impact on you? You can all say Spookware if you want. <laughs> <laughs> is that cheating? Is it allowed? <laughs> Actually, I haven't listened to the Spookware OST. I must do. It's really good. Oh, there's some bangers in there. 
I was gonna say my game because having bangers in my own game that I actually, that I want to listen to is a new experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn! <laughs> I must give that a listen in, in isolation from the game as well because I know I know uh, Jazz Michael worked on that and I I, uh, I, yes. I I love I love her soundtracks. <laughs> she makes pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it's, it was really cool. I basically just recorded my dad playing a few instruments and then sent the samples to her and then she was like remix them into a, a sick soundtrack wow. and i was like whoa that's a pretty cool way of creating stuff yeah yeah that's fun okay but um other soundtrack that had an effect i really liked going under and just how it had this like corporate oh, vibe yeah. god that, there goes mine <laughs> <laughs> there goes <laughs> that was yours damn oh timberborn timberborn was had a really good soundtrack can't describe it right now because i haven't played in a while but it was like kind of like country almost bluegrassy but like not a lot of strings i think and just like this really cool vibe for like building farms and stuff by a river i think my favorite i think video game composer if like victor has jazz michael didn't exist of course yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would probably be um callum bowen i don't know if you know him but he's also known by bo m uh, that's like his stage name Oh right. Yeah. Um but he does like a lot of really uh really loved his um soundtrack for uh Lovely Planet. Mm. It's so good. It doesn't fit the game at all, but it's super good. So good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, he uh they did Pico Nico? Also. Yeah, also Pico Nico uh, is super good. That had a good that had good sounds. The free money track is such a banger. Good thing about Pico Nico soundtrack is it's kind of it's also like not really good, but just because it's it's really like driving through that lane motif for like the whole game, it just works really well. And after a while, it's just like it gets stuck in your head. It's really good. They also did Amori. Also did Amori. Yeah, um, some of the soundtrack. Yeah. Lovely Planet was published by Tiny Build. That sucks. I mean, I mean, I mean. <laughs> I think it was one of their earliest. Lovely Planet was one of the first games that Tiny Build published. I think, if I remember correctly, yeah, back when they were in Evil. <laughs> not slander i have a i have a soundtrack that like very very recently had like a massive emotional impact because i went back and listened to it which is the soundtrack to a short hike mm. by mark sparling oh yeah that was so that good. soundtrack is just like i i love it because it goes through all the songs and then it has like the 10 minute uh in-game versions of each of the like main overworld areas I've I've been trying to come up with like a little positivity ritual I can I can have to like keep my positivity up and listen listening to that album is now part of my positivity ritual. <laughs> I'll put it that way. <laughs> very nice. Yeah, it's very good. I also really like the way they implemented into the game. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, every time the music swelled in that game it just like it felt earned. They earned that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a good soundtrack. I gotta go play it again, Dan. I'm gonna have to play that again soon for research purposes, definitely. <laughs> that's I think that's my favorite game right now. Like of all time. Damn. It's it's up there, alright. Yeah. It's it's yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's such an such an expressive game with such a limited scope. Mm. Mm. Every time a game is just good and small, I'm always like, yeah, hell yeah. yeah perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Much rather have that than a long, boring game. <laughs> Dying Light 2 is going to be 800 hours. Oh my, oh my god. I love roguelikes, but I also suck at roguelikes. So, baseline going under has like a lot of like fun accessibility settings that uh, made me a bad gamer be able to like still mm. have a lot of fun with it. 
and there's <laughs> there's one boss fight in the game uh, I don't want to like, spoil who or what it is but the you have like a bit of dialogue before the boss fight and then like the music starts and like the first time I heard it I was like oh my god like what a what a banger <laughs> and then I like played the boss mm. fight and I just like let it go and then recently I think like a month or so ago I was like going through YouTube and I saw the album for going on there and I was like oh my god they have an album and then I listened through the whole album which is like I think almost 30 songs and then that song came on again and I was just like oh my god this is this is like this is so good <laughs> is it the one halfway through the game yes I think it's pretty much halfway I think I know which one you're talking about yeah I haven't beaten the game but yeah it's so funky and groovy and I think for video game music I think when it's funky and groovy I like it the most because yeah. you know it just kind of gets you going yeah. and I think that song just does it perfectly I uh... I think my, my favorite thing in like video game music which is also probably why I like Callum Bound so much is when they use like a lot of like goofy samples yeah and oh, I really yes. like um, Why You Were Do It Yourself soundtrack as well because it's also oh, yeah, yeah. it also is just like constantly doing like funny sounds Big. and using it as music it's so good <laughs> it takes a real skill <laughs> to, to pull skill. it off as yeah. Well, yeah exactly I mean Victor does it pretty well as well the hey sample hey another soundtrack that came to mind for me just there is the soundtrack to umarangi generation it's just absolutely wild oh. uh, it's a, a photography game that that's set in a, a kind of a post environmental collapse area of new zealand oh. it, it's a very very interesting game in how it tells a story through you just existing in spaces and taking photographs of them mm, god the vibes Device. It just sounds so fun. It's a vibe of a video game. Again, a really, really strong, uh, a really strong emotional like ending as well. Mm. I actually need to play the the DLC still myself. My wish this is getting filled <laughs> up quickly now. Uh, by the time this is over, I'm gonna have like ten new games to play on the weekend. <laughs> uh, the music that has the most impact on me is once again AC Attorney. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just really nice music. <laughs> yeah, they got some. I don't know. Everything is ve- sounds very like it's made by amateurs, but I kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> Naturals who haven't practiced a lot or something. Uh, yeah, like some of the arrangements, they just pick weird samples sometimes, <laughs> or there's like bass missing, but it's it's good. Are you sure your MIDI just wasn't broken? <laughs> <laughs> I want. I wonder if that's one of those things where in in like I mean I think it still happens today, but it happens a lot more in previous generations and the games industry where they would have like a, a small team making the game they wouldn't have a dedicated musician they'd just be getting one of the people who was already on the team yeah especially because the tech for building the music was also so new Limited. and also varied there was no like people who were experienced game sound trackers other than like people who'd done like jrpgs on the net nes or whatever you know yeah absolutely yeah actually Vic- victor do you have like um, a decent headphone when you're doing like music and stuff i think so because <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's probably important right? that you know her but then again maybe if you make your music and share the speaker then it will be geared towards like 90 percent of the audience so yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a good point you don't have 1500 dollars headphones i think i have 100 dollars headphones but i'm not sure i got them for christmas i, I wish we had the money to buy it Victor, his $1,500 headphones. <laughs> One day we will get there. Company expense. <laughs> yeah, remember, it's a business expense. We're going to divert all of our profit into this. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> the soundtrack is going to be amazing. And the rest of the game, me. 
<laughs> I mean, the soundtrack's already amazing, but now it'll be amazingly mastered too. <laughs> oh yeah. I wonder if you can if you can hear the difference in the Spookware soundtrack from the tracks you made after Christmas and before. Oh, it was a different Christmas. Oh, a different Christmas. It was a Christmas <laughs> three years ago, I think. But I was thinking of getting a new computer and that might fatter beats. Just fatter <laughs> beats, yeah. Thick beats. New level. <laughs> I mean I think that's it's kinda cool that every time we just need something like random or like an extra sound it's like victor's here and i think that's that's i don't think i i got the importance of sound effects before i did spookware because i feel like you know sound effects are there and you know they're important but now that i see victor like delivering this at like high speed mm. they, you just see how many there are and like how many places could really use it and like benefit from mm-hmm. like just a symbol like ting yeah. or bonk or, or bang i'm really glad like victor is like a part of the like the spookware team and it's not like we're not like contracting you out um thanks man yeah because i feel like when i worked at night home uh, i think night home games are kind of guilty of this like the person that does the music for night home games super super good but it's like their workflow is so disconnected they just make like the entire game and the and they do like a big <laughs> spreadsheet and it's like they send it to the music guy and then it's so weird yeah, yeah. Mm. it's very different i much prefer this to yeah. be honest <laughs> Sound designers are like so so under underrated. I mm. think I'm very tired of doing my own sound effects. Oh yeah. I mean, I pull everything. I have a subscription to Artlist, and they have like a sound effects library. Oh. But usually, you can't just like download something and use it as is. You have to like edit it and tweak it and mess with stuff and yeah, kind of get the piece that you want. And and it, I mean, it's kind of fun because sometimes you can be like, I want something to sound like this, and then you like look at like twenty different sound effects, and it's like, oh, that's a weird sound that might fit and then you download it and put it in the game it's like oh it does fit so you sometimes get sounds you weren't expecting i feel like yeah it can be a very rewarding process it's also impossible mm-hmm. to like communicate this uh, i have that with victor all the time then like oh we really need like a sound here that goes you know <laughs> <laughs> and then i'll try my best i i think uh I think it's really helped me communicate with musicians and and sound designers just like learning a bit about making digital music myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I should like learn the um the jargon for like music and stuff like yeah. what the hell is a delay and stuff because I feel it could probably help me with talking to Victor yeah. Being able to be like, "Oh, use this effect on this thing." Mm-hmm. You can really go into detail. It hasn't happened yet, but I suspect at some point I'll be like recommending plugins to to do things to my uh to the sound designers and mus- musicians on my projects mm-hmm. when i do start a team i really want to have a dedicated sound designer from the get-go sound designer and musician probably because rolling those two roles together kind of makes sense especially at a small scale mm-hmm. in the studio we appreciate it absolutely and it's also cool like i get to wear more hats i feel like that's the most fun thing about indie that you get to wear more mm-hmm. hats yeah <laughs> that, that's what like I love about game development is doing every single task myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, the like Bubbo thing, but it's like you can't realistically keep doing that forever. Yeah, too. Um, I used to do my my sound and music for my own games as well. You had pretty good sound effects, but not music. <laughs> just... <laughs> I just use like um, I use a library that was like paid, but you get like get like really low quality samples for free. But it doesn't mm. matter because if all the samples are like the same low quality, then it's like consistent. <laughs> it's an, yeah, it's yeah. an aesthetic. Oh my God. It's low risk. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's great about retro. On the texture sites, I can just download the lowest quality or the freest or whatever. Yeah. 
Because they only give you like 15 credits a day or something. It was really cool. I mean, you could like use it. You could get as much sound as you wanted, which is all like low quality. But it's really weird because if you play a whole game and all the sound is like just a lower quality, you don't even notice it. Because like nothing's out of place. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're also not doing like hyper-realistic graphics or something like that. Yeah, so it all fits together. You should really see Memoria, which was a movie that came out this year. Oh, is that one with Tilda Swinton? Yeah, it has like a 15 minute long scene about like someone designing a sound and it's oh, it's so good. Uh, Brogan, I wanted to ask you if you did the um, Babo soundtrack. Yeah, I did actually. Oh. Everything apart from like a couple of supporting pieces of code uh, and also the, the main font. Yeah, ev- everything other than that is like my work on Bubbo. Awesome. One person I should credit here is uh, Pasta's Future who, who makes HPSX or P, which is what allowed me to get the visual style but yeah like all all of the art assets music uh sound effects and gameplay were made by me for bubbo which was a really fun and rewarding process but also very stressful on the dread x collection like timeline i can imagine what are like your go-to tricks for adding atmosphere to the game i think it's difficult i mean when I think of atmosphere, like the first thing that goes to my mind is just like color uh, and like um, post-processing and that kind of stuff. But that's something that like in, in Spooker, Adam like does very, very well. As in usually if, if I make mm. a scene, I just like hand it over and then Adam's like, let me work my magic. And then like more lights and more colors and stuff. And I think that's like one of the main things that really gives us, uh, gives our scenes like a good vibe. Especially in Spooker, yeah. like every chapter we kind of have a completely different vibe. And like we also kind of try and go through the seasons in every chapter. And I feel like the the coloring and the post-processing does like an amazing job of really setting like that kind of atmosphere. I was wondering, did you did you notice that the chapters are like going through the seasons? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I See, guess I, that I'm, makes sense. Now that you mention it, I, I like remember it's like, oh yeah, the restaurant was like in the fall, right? Yeah, exactly. I think with the with the new episode, it's gonna become more obvious since it's like you know bigger, like more chapters to look yeah, at. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think that's one of like the that's honestly one of like the nice details I feel like we put in because mm. it feels like this like the times are actually also progressing. Um, although I, it doesn't really work because I think the boys went to school for one day and then the next chapter is like a whole new <laughs> season. But you know, that, that's besides the point. It's a stupid game. It's, yeah, but I think for for tricks, I feel like I don't really have any. I think the only like atmosphere thing I can still think of is like when you're building scenes, like how tightly you pack the scenes, I feel can like add a lot of atmosphere. But I don't know if that's necessarily like a trick. Mm. But with, with how modular our scenes are, it's very easy to like get a scene feeling a bit more like closed or claustrophobic than like other scenes mm-hmm. but that's like the closest i can get to like a, a trick like the school is very open i feel in terms of scenes and like prop placement in mm-hmm. them while the cruise ship it's like it feels much more like claustrophobic because you're like stuck on a ship in a sense like if you go into a cabin yeah. there's like a lot of stuff placed and you can't walk around as freely as you can do in like the city or the school and i feel like that kind of does add a bit of atmosphere yeah i, fe- I felt very constrained on the cruise ship level um like moving about and and that's like in a good way because anytime i've been on a ship it's been like that yeah Hmm. interesting i didn't really notice that (laughs) (laughs) there you go (laughs) my go-to trick to making atmospheres is frequency shifter which is not the same as pitch shifter which is really confusing and i don't fully understand and reverb but i really like making sounds that are musical sounds into something atonal uh, and then putting a bunch of reverb on it and it's 
usually very scary sounding. <laughs> I mean, I feel like in the dream sequences, we do a lot with the sound effects and like yeah. the, the sounds to real. Like, I think there's like a huge echo and like probably like 20 other things I don't recognize, <laughs> <laughs> but it really adds to like the, the, the whole weirdness and the grandness of like what the dream actually is. And I think that that already is just like, wow. Uh, when I first like heard it fully, I'm like, oh my god, this is this is beautiful. Yeah, I like that part as well. My my go-to trick for um, atmosphere is most most of the time it's like dimming the lights, just like turning off the sun and then just putting some point lights here and there. That usually doesn't. What I think actually adds the most atmosphere is also like audio related. It's just adding um, an ambience uh, loop to the background. It's like it's we like super low-key yeah. sound that's like there but you won't even notice it but it's really important even like when you have music in your game and stuff because like you can't hear it but you can like feel it that it's like there and and that's usually once we add that to like a chapter in spookware that's when i feel like it starts to come alive yeah i i think in the chapter we're working on now uh which genre i will not disclose <laughs> there was a, i put in <laughs> some of the ambient sounds and i it, it was like it was like eye opening to me because it fits so well, and I was like, "Wow, this this actually this is does mm. so much." Uh, and I never really paid attention that much to it in the other chapters. I mean, I know they're there, but I think with that chapter, I was like, "Oh, this is just like it completes the scene a bit," uh, which is crazy because it's so minor. It's really weird because it's like so you don't barely don't even like hear. I don't know. It's just, but it's like I I guess it just makes it weirder because you're there's always ambient noise around you. I think most people don't know how much ambience there is in Spookware. Um, if you'd ask them, yeah, because there's like music playing very loudly as well, so you wouldn't like <laughs> twenty but sound it, effects. But you still like hear the difference without the ambient. It's really weird. Yeah, I, I think in uh, in Submachanoids, Ambience does a lot of the heavy lifting on, on, <laughs> on creating atmosphere. Mm. I also think, like, just a basic distance fog improves anything so much. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've begun using fog as well now, I think. Uh, I think Adam found the button and was like, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too, fog is great. On, on top of that, and it's something that I actually haven't used as much as I think I should have fog particles then in like a larger scale area around a player, especially if it's a particularly foggy scene or whatever, can really, really help. Because um, I, I was looking at a GIF on, on Twitter yesterday, and I was like, fog particles? Oh my god, how have I forgotten about those? Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, one one of my first horror games has, like, this really cool ground fog effect in, in like, an er er early area of it, and then I just, like, never did any sort of, like, particle fog after. That is something I really want to figure out how to do in games, um, is, um, like, smoke. If you mm. start, like, looking for it, um, almost every single movie has a smoke machine just out of the shop. It's really, it's kind yeah. of weird, actually, how much smoke there is in, like, movies. And if you <laughs> yeah. could get that effect into, like, a game, that would be great. But I think it's, like, probably one of the hardest things. Because smoke is, like, must be, like, shaded stuff, you know. Style-wise, I think it's it's difficult to get right. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I want to, I've been looking, like, for ages for, like, someone that made, like, a, um, a smoke shader or something. Um, but I haven't found it yet. I mean, I think... I think you could probably almost do better with just like good textures on a particle effect yeah. instead of trying to look for a good shader. Because with the, with the right textures, particle effects just like 
pop so well in Rune. That's that's also true. Yeah, I've I annoy even spoiler effects too much because I I find it hassle to set it up. <laughs> They're just a massive time sink as well. Like you'll you'll you if you want to add a particle effect to your game, you have to set aside two hours to to mess about with settings. You know, <laughs> it is. It it just it's it takes too long for me. And but it sucks because it's super important. Like when I was work, when I was working on Shovel Knight, they they had a really good setup um, for particles. It just had like a huge library with like particles and oh, wow. you could just in a single line do like do particle here and that worked super well um and then i was getting addicted to adding particles to everything <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i mean you're you are a sucker for post-processing oh yeah definitely color gating i can also add to do this for atmosphere definitely uh, color grading is, is crazy i mean looking at the scenes with color grading on and off mm. it's just like Oh my god! I'm so glad this this actually exists, <laughs> and color grading is also, I think, the most commonly underused tool in indie dev. Yeah, there's almost no games that use it, but it's like I think it's the most important thing. It's like the first thing I do in every game is add color grading. The the thing I'd say on that is it's also super beneficial to learn just a little bit about just a tiny bit about like color theory. Yeah, and like knowing a bit about color theory can really really help you with like use in your scene like matching up or not matching up and, and create creating contrast where it's needed and not where it's not my like basic tips for color grading for anyone that wants to get into it is just like you increase the contrast because unity looks awful <laughs> by default <laughs> you also you need to turn like the um the shadows should have like a hue that's usually like the best thing you can do. And you can do that with like the circles. Like we have the three circles at the bottom yeah. of the color grading. One's for like the shadows kind of, and the others for the mids and the others for the highest. And doing like a bluish kind of uh, tint on the shadows, uh, usually there's like a lot of heavy lifting. And just every game should have that just by default. Cause it's not like a, an overbearing effect, but it just makes Unity look not awful. <laughs> Tinting shadows is also something that I, you do a lot manually in like pixel art because like if, mm -hmm. if you look at a lot of pixel art color palettes their brown section will go from like orange to purple yeah almost you know it'll be or maybe like a light yellow to purple or something but it'll always fade off into purple as a as a sh sh shaded color um and the great thing about color grading is you don't have to do all of that stuff in your assets then you can leave your assets and the textures on yeah. your asset like surprisingly dry and boring because uh, the color grading will like all pull it together in the end. That's mm. yeah. I feel like with especially with the pictures we use, we don't have too much like leeway. If we find a good picture, we use the picture, and then the color grading and also the yeah. shaders and the effects we use kind of fix the fact that all the pictures have like probably different kinds of lighting, yeah, uh, and quality. But the color grading like all kind of pulls it together. Yeah, too. I should do a video on color grading. <laughs> and be your next your next YouTube video. Oh my god. Tutorial. How about you, Miz? What are what what are your tricks? Uh vignette. Vignette, yeah. <laughs> True. That's how it's pronounced, right? Somebody got on my case for yeah. pronouncing it Vignette, I think. Vignette. It's actually Vignetti. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Vignette, let's see, just get the gradient and then you can like tint it a little and add make it a multiply layer. And it'll like add some interesting contrast to your scene. Um, also, another easy thing in a 2D game or top down is just to add shadows. Yeah. Um, that'll give it like a lot of depth. Like you just duplicate the sprite, put it on like a separate layer in between the character and the terrain, and it'll, and then just kind of like 
I don't give it some transparency. Just looks really nice. The thing about the shadows is that shadows serve a purpose. You know, mm-hmm. they they help you identify the depth in an image. So if you're doing 2D art, mm-hmm. it's actually even more important than in 3D art to have shadows, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. really interesting. I think, um, and that's also, again, like a big vibe I have with most 3D game engines is that uh, shadows are by default very not dark. And it's so annoying because yeah. shadows look awful when they're not dark. Um, yeah. yeah, I see it so much in games. Like, oh, turn down your shadows. <laughs> <laughs> what you said about just adding in background noise. I did that once for Ludumdare 48. I just recorded like a dehumidifier oh, wow. just for like a few seconds and then just had that loop in the background. Mm, nice. The game. <laughs> just added a bunch of atmospheres. Like, oh, cool. It's a very good sound. I love in particular like walking simulators where the footstep sounds are like perfectly echoey and so like every time you walk it's like ooh I'm the main character <laughs> in a very atmospheric game. <laughs> That's one I was gonna say uh surface based uh footstep sounds are really really good. Yeah. Oh, oh definitely. Yeah. I still need to do that. <laughs> Just have water and dirt. <laughs> I need like rocks and stuff. Yeah, that that was one thing I was happy I put into Bleak Shore was I I I'd literally just built a footstep type detection system yeah. when I made that game and and it was like all about walking so I was like yes yes <laughs> and there was a bunch of different like uh, a bunch of different like terrain textures I used as well so it worked very well I think footsteps can be very immersive they're also the hardest to do well I think I've I've heard so many like ear piercing footstep sounds and like. <laughs> off kilter footstep sounds and and like things where someone obviously tried to make a footstep sound but it was too hard because i've i've done that before i've tried to make footstep sounds and just been given up and not put footstep sounds in <laughs> instead of having them sound bad on the other end of the spectrum though i think the most atmospheric game i made was uh, dream disc and that had like intentionally very crunchy bad footstep sounds i really like mm. those yeah they're really good <laughs> Well, I mean, that's the thing as well. Like, there's an exception to every rule. Yeah. Doesn't Kenny have a footstep pack? I didn't know that Kenny did uh, audio. Yeah, he's got a whole collection. I've used a bunch of them in my games. Hmm. They're pretty good, I think. Hmm, we get nice. the job done. One thing I really want to try is a Mickey game that uses, like, like a, an AI-based spatial audio plugin oh. to, like, have all of the audio realistically bounce over walls and stuff. I really want to make a game that uses that. I think especially for a horror game, that would be super good. I think I saw some clips of somebody who made an engine that does that. Like an experimental engine. It was really interesting to see. There's a mod for Minecraft that does that, but it's like super outdated. But there's like, and I don't think you can even get it anymore. But there's one video of it showcasing it and it just, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they put like a block um, over them and then like suddenly all of like, the monsters around them are like super realistically muffled and stuff, and so good. Oh, wow. Yeah, it sounds pretty mm-hmm. cool. All right. Do you all have anything else you want to say or promote or anything? Buy Spookware. <laughs> Buy Spookware. Buy Spookware. Politely respectful. And follow everyone on Twitter. Everyone on Twitter. Just, not, not just the people who are here, but every. every <laughs> yeah, just... <laughs> all right. I'll see you all next time. Bye bye. Bye.